Hello everybody, it's Brian Janikowski on the Friday the 19th of May. I'm Christian Thwaites. And I'm Emily Takenverts, and let's get started. So Christian, we had another week of uh, political drama. And I know that last week you had said, politics don't affect stocks and the market. Um, can you, we've been hearing a lot of talk about how right now is very similar to when Watergate happened. Um, and I've heard people say, oh, you know, uh, there's risk here. The the markets declined after Watergate. Um, but you wrote in your blog about some of the differences, and I'd like you to go over some of the differences between what we're living in today and Watergate. Y yes, to to clarify, I feel that the, the pol political events take a while to, to play out, and st stock markets and bond markets react very quickly to news, economic pricing, companies, interest rates, all sorts of things. And the political backdrop can be there and can be quite tough at times, but I don't think markets are overly concerned with politics. I think that they're uh, much more concerned about what it means for economic policy. And right now, in the White House, there's nothing going on with economic policy. There's plenty of talk about it, but there's very little action. So I, that's why I, I think uh, the markets aren't terribly excited about politics right now. But to answer your question, yes, I think parallels with 1973 and Watergate are, are very mistaken because that took, as historians may know, or if, if you were around at the time, sort of a year and a half, two, two years to, to play out from the initial break-in, I think, to eventually um, the uh, resignation of the president. But what was affecting markets much more at the time in late 72, 73 and into 74 were, just to, just to name some other big events, the Yom Kippur in late 1973, the OPEC oil embargo where prices rose from 400%, from $4 to $12 a barrel. In real terms, never been higher than that. Uh, there's a full-blown economic recession from December 73 to almost February 1975, so three times as long as any recession we've had almost uh, in the last uh, 10 years, for 20 years. Uh, Fed funds rates doubled from 7 to 14 percent. Uh, budget deficit increased markedly. Inflation tripled from 5 to 15 percent. So these were all hitting the market at the time, and the Watergate was a backdrop, but I would argue wasn't terribly important in in the uh, decline in the stock market. Interesting. If you, if political um, events do take a while to play out, is there any risk of investors um, to fall into a certain complacency and then to just you know one day wake up and everyone said, "Oh my gosh, we're in a crisis here." Yes, I, I don't think markets are complacent now. We did have a bit of a correction last week, but it was very minor. Um, it corrected from top, from a record high of 22,404 on the S&P. Uh, it corrected 1.6% down and, uh, and then promptly rallied back up. So the loss for the week was less than a quarter percent. I mean, these aren't corrections. These are just daily twos and fro's and ups and downs of the stock market. So. I don't think the market was spooked or feared by the political issues midweek. In fact, I think they're getting more and more immune to some of these things. Um, so there is a concern that we're complacent. We might find ourselves in the, in the grips of a constitutional crisis. I don't think we're there yet. Uh, I think really what the market is, is seeing is an inability of one branch of the government to work with another branch of the government and obviously making some 
what would be in any other domain rookie mistakes in in getting their policies implemented and i think for the market that's just a question of well nothing's getting really done we weren't betting on anything getting really done so we'll just go back to basics of what's happening with the economy what's happening with interest rates what's happening with inflation what's happening with uh, corporate profits and all those stories are quite well underp- underpinned at this point so sh- we should interpret the correction or the sell off this week as just simply um, you know just kind of a a bump in the road so to speak I think so, Emily. Uh, I mean, I might be wrong, but uh, you know, we we saw the VIX index, and um, we've talked you and I before about the VIX index, and I don't like it as an indicator. I think it's very imprecise. But if we'd really seen fear take off, we'd have seen gold rally. We didn't see gold rally. We'd see the rally, big rally in Treasuries. Treasuries were strong, but certainly not that strong. We'd have seen an increase in the yen dollar exchange rate, which is a typically safe haven asset. Uh, and even the Swiss franc, which is a little less liquid than the others, but still is a place people go to if they feel that things are really bad. What did we see? None of those. We saw a we saw a, a headline big increase in the VIX. The headline was VIX is up 40%. It was from an extremely extremely low level to just a low level, <laughs> and so I, I don't. I think it's all signal, uh, sorry, all noise, and, and not really telling us very much uh, at, at the moment because there's really nothing to tell us. So if the market is paying attention to data, um, you had a very interesting uh, graph this week on uh, capacity utilization. Can you explain what that means and um, what you've seen here and why is it it important? Yeah, so capacity utilization comes out every month with the industrial production numbers uh, and it looks at the capacity of uh, you know, typically, you know, it could be factories, could be utilities, but anything which produces things. Um, and typically, that number runs in the mid 70s for industry as a whole. Now, in some industries, it's always below 100 because something like an electric utility doesn't need to operate at 100% capacity all the time because demand isn't at uh, peak demand all the time. So they'll typically be lower. And then there'll be some parts of the economy which run at above 100% because. Uh, you know, a fabrication plant for a memory chip, uh, once it's up and running, can run 16, 18 hours a day. And so, so in theory, it's running way above its measured capacity. So, but if you take the industri- industries as a whole and take out a few of the outliers, which is what we've shown in our chart, what we're seeing is a, about a 75, 76% capacity utilization. And we looked at it for the last 20 years, it's just, it's just flat. It's just flat from about 2011 onward, which, which tells me that the economy is sort of good for manufacturing and industrial production for the current rate we're at. If, if, if there was more demand, capacity utilization would be up. If capacity utilization was up a lot and capacity hadn't expanded at the right time, there'd be more finished goods producer prices going up. So we're seeing none of that. So I really look at that and, and go, well, it's more of the same. It's industrial production going along at an even pace. I think that's priced into the market. That's what markets are expecting. And we're really not seeing any big spike in uh, usage of capacity. So therefore, we're not seeing a heck of a lot of increased demand in the economy either. Um, and so if stocks trade off earnings, let's say markets trade off earnings and earnings are linked to growth, and you're seeing growth kind of plugging along, then can the markets kind of plug along as well? Uh, certainly the stock market. I mean, I think the, market's got, the stock markets have got through a, a good 
first quarter earnings season. We've talked about that before. It's the first double-digit rise in a while. Some of that is just mining, extractive industries, and oil and energy coming back from a very, very low point uh, a year or so ago. Um, but some of it is just you know, better top-line sales growth. Um, and we've talked here before that stock market doesn't mean the economy. There's very different, uh, different um, uh, they, they, they can work on each other, but the stock market has its own set of drivers. Uh, so we're looking at a kind of reasonable levels of growth and some, uh, some growth back into certain parts of the stock, stock markets, like we've explained, some of the cyclicals have begun to come back. And we just see it sort of going along. I mean, there course could be a correction from you know any number of factors which are almost uh, by definition difficult to predict. But for now, the the certainly the earnings, dividend yields, um, and sort of overall uh, exuberance leverage in the market is very containable, and I think quite well underpinned. There was also some news recently um, that consumer debt is rising to pre-crash 2008 levels. Um, how should we interpret this? Uh, with care, I think. Uh, some of the headlines said that consumer debt levels are you know, high as they were before the crash. And does this mean consumers are going out on a, on a, on a borrowing and spending spree? No, I don't think they are. Uh, we should take out student debt because that's a different type of um, a debt than certainly was around in pre-2008. It's more of a cash flow loan than an asset loan. Um, but what we've seen is that as a proportion of GDP, consumer revolving debt really hasn't grown at all. And total household debt, so that's the car loans, that's the uh, mortgages and you know all the big loans, is actually fallen from a peak of just about 100% of GDP to 80%. So while the numbers are are up, and that was the headline, relative to income, relative to the GDP, uh, they're, they're, they're flat or declining. So I don't think we have to get too alarmed about consumer debt. Corporate debt, maybe, but maybe we can have that for a subject next week. All right. Thank you, Christian. Thank you, everybody. And here's the disclosure. Disclosure. Please note the discussion of our investments, investment strategy, including our research investment process, represents our investments, investment strategy, the date this commentary is subject to date without change. We cannot assure the type of investment discussed in this commentary will outperform any other investment strategy in the future, nor can we guarantee that such investments will present the best or an attractive risk-adjusted investment in the future. This is for general information on purpose only. Security is mentioned in the commentary only several of the successful as well as unsuccessful investments by us do not represent all the securities we have purchased, sold, or recommended. We deem reliable source of the statistical and other information referred to in this commentary. We cannot guarantee the accuracy or completeness of any statements or numerical data. Past performance, no indication of future results. Thank you.